Let's pray together. Lord, we've been singing about your faithfulness to us, and many of us know how you have helped us over the years and been with us through good things, through hard things. And we want to say thank you. And now as we come to look at your word and to reflect on it, I pray that you will open our ears and our hearts so that we really will hear you speaking to us and help us to know that it is your spirit speaking to us and be ready to take action as you direct. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Two weeks ago, I did something I'd always wanted to do. I went to Iona. It's quite a pilgrimage to get there. Four trains, two ferries, and a bus. But I say it's very well worth, worth it. Isla, uh, Iona is an island, for those of you who don't know, um, off Mull in southwest Scotland, where St. Columba first landed in 561, having sailed in a coracle from Ireland with a band of 12 men. They lived in simple huts and set up a Christian community, praying for one another and for all those whose lives they were going to influence. Columba vowed to win as many lives as he could for the kingdom of God. And although the Christian community on on Iona has waned from time to time, and the abbey rebuilt in both the 15th and the 20th centuries, there's still a vibrant worshipping community there today, well known for its music and its simple lifestyle. I personally was very uplifted by the worshipful evening services. And to have time to walk and to watch the changing colours of the sea and to listen to God in the quietness and peace of such a beautiful island. One of the monks who left Iona to evangelise the Northumbrians at the request of King Oswald in 635 was Aden. He became Bishop of Lindisfarne and established a monastery there. And the influence of these men of faith has been felt down the centuries, even from those early years. King Oswald, who became a Christian, was a man of war, who said of himself that he never taught anything except how to hold a sword. And he said of Aidan, he taught me how to be a practical Christian and turn my faith into action. He's genuine through and through. There's no difference between what he teaches and what he is. And Hild, the abbess of Whitby, said of Aidan, he was the one who changed the direction of so many lives, including mine. How much we have to be grateful to those early men and women of faith. So what is faith? Well, we come back again and again to this definition found at the beginning of Hebrews chapter 11. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients, those of the pre-Christian era, were commended for. 
Faith is looking beyond what this world offers. Is this pie in the sky when we die? Or sticking our heads in the sand like ostriches in a sandstorm? No, it's holding on to a very deep confidence in God, our creator God, who does and has and will act. It's believing. It's centering our belief in someone who can be trusted, who knows and understands our situation, past, present and future. It's a mindset that gives us the ability to live in the here and now, while looking ahead and persevering in hope. In chapter 10, the writer to the Hebrews exhorts the believers not to turn back to the Jewish system or even to to continue in it, as it's been superseded by the unique priesthood of Christ. God's people, he says, must look only to Jesus Christ, whose death, resurrection and ascension has opened up the way into God's presence. And Alan reminded those of us who were here this morning that God's grace through Jesus Christ is all that we need. We must beware of adding anything to it. Surely, when we've seen the truth in Jesus Christ, there's no need whatsoever to turn aside or to, or to consider other religions for they lead nowhere, and they have no such assurance of faith or hope as we have. So what does faith in Jesus Christ offer that this world doesn't? Firstly, faith gives us confidence in God. In verse 3, it says, By faith we understand that God created the universe that God made the earth millions of years ago and set it all in motion. And as a friend commented to me, it's just amazing to think that he had all that preparation millions of years just for us, human beings, the pinnacle of his creation, for us to enjoy. And when we have confidence in God as the creator and the sustainer of the world, we can believe that the future's in his hands also. Our our responsibility right now is to listen to God's voice and, like Noah in verse 7, to obey his direction. It says, by faith, Noah, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. Noah is an example to us of of a man that lived in awe of God. A man who lived in awe of God in such a way that when he was told to build an ark in a dry, landlocked region where it was inconceivable that there would ever be enough water to even float a vessel, he did so. What a crazy instruction it must have seemed. But in faith... He obeyed God's instruction and direction so that when the flood came, God's word was proved to be true and he was considered to be righteous and his righteousness and his faith were not only an example but a condemnation of those who didn't believe. 
Faith gives us confidence that the past, present and future are in God's hands. Secondly, faith wins God's approval and his pleasure. Verse 6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. We need to have faith to believe that he exists and faith to believe that he rewards those who seek him. And when we do, the scripture says, we give him pleasure. God's pleased when we believe in his existence and pleased when we seek him with all our hearts. And you'll see that in Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 13. We see in verse 5 that Enoch was commended because his faith was genuine and real. In contrast, we have in verse 4, we have reference to Cain and Abel. It always seemed unfair to me that Abel's animal sacrifice was acceptable to God, while Cain's offering of plant life wasn't. However, it was Abel's motivation and generous uh, attitude that was acceptable to God, while Cain's thoughtless offering did not please God. So God's pleasure is in genuine, thoughtful faith, one which draws close to God in trust and which shows itself in a generous and thankful heart. Thirdly, faith gives us the ability to take God at his promise, to take on God's promises, even though we may not see the fulfillment of them in our lifetime. What faith it took for Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egypt and wander in the desert for 40 years. What faith it took for Abraham to leave his country at God's beck and call without knowing his destination. What faith it took for Columba and his companions to leave Ireland to evangelize the Celts and for mild-spoken Aden to leave the sanctuary of Iona for the hostility of evangelizing the warring Northumbrians. And down these centuries, we've seen, and more recently, we've seen social reformers like Martin Luther King, Bible translators like John Wycliffe, and missionaries like Hudson Taylor, speaking out with a vision against the establishment or setting out on projects and journeys that they believed God had called them to do, often giving up their own lives in the process. Faith in God's promises is the ability to move forward to new things, confident of God's call and trusting his promises for all that lies ahead. So my first question was, What does faith in Jesus Christ offer that this world doesn't? My second question is, what does faith in God's future promises enable us to do? Verse 8, again a reference to Abraham. The first thing is that it enables us to take risks. 
By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. The second thing, it enables us to hold lightly to material possessions in verses 9 and 10. By faith, Abraham made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were able to follow God's call without the encumbrance of lots of possessions. Faith in God's promises often enables us to do, through God, the unusual. Noah, who stood against ridicule, It also enables us perhaps sometimes to do the surprising. Abraham in verse 8. And the impossible, or at least the unlikely. And we have here the reference to Abraham and Sarah in verses 11 and 12. God enabled them to have the child he'd promised them, even when Sarah was well past childbearing age. Faith enables us to look forward in hope to the fulfillment of God's promises and to anticipate the kingdom of God. Verse 13 says, All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. I think of a lady missionary I knew Ruth Watson, known as the doctor with the teeth, she had rather protruding teeth, who, along with two other women missionaries, walked from India into Nepal 60 years ago to share the good news of Jesus with the Nepali people. This was a considerable act of faith. The first Nepali believers were imprisoned for changing their religion. But through the prayers of Christians around the world, their imprisonment only served to strengthen their faith, so that today there are many well-established churches in Nepal, led by national pastors. And these 20th century missionaries left a legacy of God's blessing on that country, which I think will only be measured in heaven. So these people, like Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, mentioned in verses 20 to 22, were people of vision. They each received God's vision, not knowing what the outcome would be. They took God at his word, and they passed it on to other people, so that the future generations would also inherit God's blessing. So we've seen that faith in Jesus Christ gives us confidence in God, wins God's approval and pleasure, and gives us the ability to take on God's promises so we don't rely on ourselves, but on God. 
So what might God be asking you and me to do for his kingdom? To take a risk? To give up the comfort of your home and move on? To give away a treasured possession? To stand up and be counted as a follower of Jesus? To go and win others for his kingdom? Or maybe just simply to trust him for the future? Jesus said, If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, nothing will be impossible to you. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what these men and women of faith were commended for. I'd let us, like us just to be quiet for a moment and to reflect asking the Lord what he is saying to us through these examples, past and uh, not so distantly past, and others that we will know and have noticed, men and women of faith. Lord, what are you asking of me? Living Lord, give us faith to be sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see, to believe in your existence and to take on board your promises. Give each one of us the ability to take risks with you, to be counted as followers of Jesus. to move ahead with you in whatever way you call us and to look forward to the fulfillment of your promises one day when we will see you face to face in your kingdom of heaven. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.